Chapter Eight of From Bangkok to Bombay, Siam, French Indochina, Burma, Hindustan, by Frank G. Carpenter. This recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. Rice Mills and Paddy Fields of the Irrawaddy. I have just visited the greatest rice mill of the world. It lies here at Pazundong on the Irrawaddy River, just below the port of Rangoon, and belongs to the Bullock Brothers who own other large mills and export thousands of tons of the grain every year it can turn out seven hundred tons of cleaned rice in a day and sometimes has as many as thirteen hundred employees burma is about the best rice patch on the bosom of old mother earth the total rice growing area of the province is nearly as large as the state of west virginia and it produces an annual exportable surplus of between three and four thousand million pounds this is sufficient to give every human being on earth all the rice he could eat in one day and still leave enough over to sprinkle all the brides and grooms of one year rice is the money crop of burma taking the place held by wheat corn tobacco or cotton with us poor harvests are practically unknown here and there is always a steady market in ceylon india the straits settlements and other british possessions in the east as well as in europe hindustan alone takes about a million tons of rice from burma in a year the british government in burma appreciating how much the prosperity of the country depends upon rice is extending the irrigated areas and employs experts to study seed selection and make forecasts showing the probable yield of each season it has its agents in every part of the country who report upon the crop prospects and every village headman informs the government of the number of acres his people will plant the grain is harvested as paddy or unhusked rice rice has two outer coats or husks both of which stick so tightly to the kernel that it is hard work getting down to the rice of commerce in the form of paddy the grain keeps better for weevils do not get at it nor does it mold so quickly as when the outer coat has been taken off paddy loses about one half of its bulk when both husks are removed in the milling process the pazongdong rice plant covers as much ground as any of our large flour mills its five-story buildings have single rooms as big as a good-sized garden patch i entered one on the ground floor which was packed to the ceiling with bags of paddy it held more than two million pounds and other rooms of equal size adjoining it were filled with the clean rice awaiting shipment paddy is brought here from all over burma it is floated down the streams to the irrawaddy river in flatboats and barges and towed to rangoon by steamers at rangoon the rice is unloaded by indian coolies who carry it from the boats to the mills in basket loads weighing forty-six pounds each they lift the grain to their head or shoulders and take it up the bank of the river over a planked roadway some of the unloaders are women black buxom clings who perform heavy labor that no burmese woman would do not a few have gold buttons in their noses and rings in their ears and all wear armlets and anklets i saw three with rings on their toes i remember one girl of eighteen with silver bracelets covering her arm from wrist to elbow and broad bands of silver on each of her bare legs 
the lobes and rims of her ears were pierced with gold rivets and the gold ring in her nose was as big around as a saucer and as thick as a knitting needle this ring hung down over her mouth and when she ate lunch she stuffed the rice in through it her husband a black man in a white cotton waistcloth worked with her in one room i saw the men handling the finished product the white rice is bagged in sacks holding from one hundred and sixty-eight to two hundred and twenty-six pounds these the coolies carried into the warehouses and piled up in stacks each man lifted one of the bags to his shoulders and trotted up an inclined roadway it looks easy and three harvard athletes who visited the mill the other day rather doubted what was told them of the unusual strength of the coolie saying that any good man could carry such a load thereupon the manager asked one of them to try it he got a bag on his back without much trouble and was able to make his way easily on the level but when he tried to go up the incline the weight pulled him over and he fell with the rice to the floor these same college men tried to pick out the broken rice grains in competition with the indians thinking they could work quite as fast but they had to give up in despair the rice is graded by the proportion of the broken grains in it and every shipment has to be tested by counting the number of whole grains in a given quantity it takes keen eyes to distinguish the imperfect kernels and the harvard boys failed in the test it seems strange to think of polishing rice like your best silver spoons but that is what i saw done as i went through the mill the machinery is the finest known to the industry the patty is first run over shakers and sieves to remove dirt stones straw and other matter and then winnowed it is next hauled by being passed between grinders which take off the husk or outer coat and winnowed once more it is now known as lunzane in which form it is sometimes marketed to get white rice like that used on our tables the grain is run through cones or purlers which remove the tightly clinging inside husk after this it goes through sieves so arranged and graded that the percentage of broken rice which it is desired to separate from the whole grain can be removed and bagged separately between the coning and the last sieving process the best grades for the european market get an extra polishing in tubs of wood and wire gauze in which there are revolving cylinders covered with sheepskin sometimes paraffin wax is put in with the rice the friction of the grains hitting against each other melts the wax which coats the kernels thus giving them a glossy finish after passing through the polishing processes the grain falls through a chute into bags these are sewed up by hand and made ready for shipment abroad while the polished rice is preferred on the european markets it is not best for peoples who make rice their chief article of food the husks contain essential vitamins and it was found that natives of the philippines who had lived chiefly on polished rice and were suffering from beriberi were cured by feeding them patty or an extract of rice husks of the world's rice crop the empire of india produces about forty per cent or perhaps thirty-six million tons annually the indian empire is also the world's largest rice exporter sometimes shipping as much as two and one-half million tons a year the greater part of which comes from burma although bengal bihar 
and madras all grow more rice than does burma these provinces export less because of the enormous domestic consumption by their dense populations the burmese rice is much better than that of hindustan and it brings such high prices that the natives ship their own product abroad and eat the cheaper imported varieties it is hard to see how burma's rice industry could go on without the coolies from hindustan in all the labor of harvesting and transporting the grain they are indispensable at the beginning of the paddy season along toward the end of november tens of thousands of them are brought over from madras and bengal and set to reaping the grain fields all the work is done by hand for mechanical reapers are unknown in burma when the season is over about the middle of april they begin their drift back to hindustan though year after year some stay behind and settle in and near rangoon and the other ports of the six hundred thousand indians in burma more than one-sixth are in rangoon and the rest are in lower burma and along the coasts there are few or none in the interior many people in speaking of the indian labor invasion criticize the burmese as being too lazy and shiftless to do their own work the fact is that the burman is primarily a farmer and does not readily take to any other sort of work agriculture is the chief industry of the province and supports nearly three-fourths of the population for eight months of the year the natives are willing to toil early and late in their fields of beans peanuts tobacco cotton and rice but they claim the rest of the time for vacation and their numerous buddhist holidays compared with the other peoples of this part of the world they are well to do in fact since the burman can afford to dress himself and his wife in silk have plenty to eat and hire someone else to do his heavy work one wonders whether he is not wise after all to be satisfied with that rather than driving himself furiously to get more gain i know that many of our americans who work harder get less out of life than do these men and women of pagoda land many of the businessmen of the province especially the hunias or money-lenders have come here from hindustan the latter lend money to the burmese rice growers at from twenty five to forty per cent a year taking mortgages on their crops as security most of them are natives of madras who come to burma with the single idea of accumulating money and spending next to nothing while doing so the money-lender usually lives in a mean house and his dress would not cost a dollar his legs are bare except for a piece of calico about a yard wide and several yards long which is wrapped about his waist and tucked in he wears a calico jacket and sometimes has a shawl-like piece of cotton about his shoulders his shaved black head is usually covered by a turban or cap and he often has lines drawn in ashes upon his forehead to denote his caste some of the money-lenders are quite wealthy all are said to be honest and their word is accepted by the banks for large sums some start in rangoon as clerks at twelve dollars a month they live on half that amount and lend the rest out at high rates when they have accumulated ten thousand rupees or so they go back home and thereafter live economically on the interest while the indian money-lenders make many small loans to the farmers the movement of the rice crop is really financed by the british who have four large banks in rangoon all of which do a general banking and exchange business 
their interest rates vary according to the season of the year when the rice crop is to be moved there is a great demand for money and the rates go up while between times there is a smaller demand and the rates are lower they get from six to eight per cent receiving the higher rate during the periods when rice is being planted and harvested in the fall paddy buyers representatives of the mills and wholesale houses in rangoon and the other rice shipping ports go to the harvested areas buy the grain and see that it is loaded on boats by january the arawadi tributaries are full of rice cargoes on the way down to rangoon at the mills the rice is unloaded and weighed as quickly as possible so that the vessels may make a quick turnaround and start back upstream for another load storage warehouses which used to be few and far between are now scattered through the up-river districts so that almost half the exportable surplus can be stored in the up-country go-downs the trade of burma is almost altogether in the hands of the british they control not only the rice export but most of the rest of burma's foreign trade as well american goods are sold here to the value of only about one million dollars a year and consists mostly of lamps hardware machinery and canned goods we practically control the automobile market and have latterly outstripped great britain in supplying steel iron pipes and tubes the total imports of the province amount to something like seventy million dollars per annum of which the united kingdom and the british dominions supply nearly seventy per cent end of chapter eight